is The New Way We Work from Fast Company Magazine, where we take listeners on a journey through the changing landscape of our work lives and explain exactly what we need to build the future we want. I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor Kathleen Davis. So today I'm joined by a podcast producer, Blake Odom. Hi, Blake. Hi, Kate. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. Going through his work life. As best as can be expected. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, we were all in a meeting talking about the next season of the show and like what topics and we were Mm -hmm. talking about return to office. And then you came out with something that got a huge response. You said... And, I, and we all kind of agree that it should join the pop culture lexicon. There's been like, there's this trend in recent years of like coining phrases. And why can't we coin our own phrase? So there's like quiet quitting and there's like all of these things. And you said JOMO. Yes. Can you explain what JOMO is? So you know fear of missing out, right, Kate? Of course. FOMO. Yep. Mm-hmm. I created JOMO as the workplace equivalent, which means joy of missing office. But it's like the opposite of FOMO. So yes. you're like happy to not be in the office. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Do you have JOMO? On Monday, Tuesday, and Friday, <laughs> I do. <laughs> because you're hybrid. You're in New York, so you go into the office on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. It really hit a nerve with me because as listeners might know, I am fully remote. I became fully remote in during the pandemic. Yes. And I have a lot of JOMO a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> How's that life? <laughs> So what, and now I don't have, and we're going to get into this, like I don't have JOMO all the time. There are things that I miss, but I have JOMO a lot. We asked other people about it too, and they had some feelings about what they are joyful to miss in the office. The sad salad at your desk. My dry cleaning bill. <laughs> I'm not spending that money on traveling and commuting. My pockets are a bit heavier. <laughs> First of all, there's no commute, which takes an immense toll on your body and psyche. And come straight to the office and then you eat at your desk. Crawling through stoplights, it really took its toll on me. That's two hours that you're taking away from my family and it's just not worth it. The place I used to work after I left, a person at a very high level, all he did was walk around the open concept office, either on the phone or going up to people's desks, like interrupting us, trying to be friends with us, buying furniture on the phone in front of everybody. It's like, who do you think you are? Like, go close the door if you're gonna make personal phone calls. Not having to deal with things that simply aren't my job that exist in an office environment. Yes to a lot of those things. Also, I mean, for me too, it's like there's so much as being a a parent. Work is not designed along with the school day. I am so lucky I can take 15. I'm also so lucky that my kid's elementary school is (laughs) right near my house and it's walkable. I can take 15 minutes in the morning and the afternoon to drop them off and pick them up. I can take as that lunch point, I can eat whatever I want because the kitchen is right there. I can eat outside. That feeling in the springtime where you want to eat outside and like, where do you go around the office to eat outside? But I can like take a meeting on the back deck and eat on the back deck. And I can, I've had 10 minutes before a meeting. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take a short little walk. And the other thing I will say, and I'll end my diatribe is shoes. I will wear professional-ish clothes on the top I'm business on the top and I'm relaxed on the bottom. I have not worn an uncomfortable pair of shoes in so long. Uh, and then I'll come back to New York for like our innovation festival and I'll put high heels on again and I'll be like, these torture devices that I put on my feet for years. Like I'm barefoot right now. I'm wearing slippers most of the time, like comfort 
convenience, all of those things give me a lot of JOMO. How about you? I am pro comfortable shoes. So I am happy that you wear comfortable shoes nowadays. For myself, commuting has been rough because my first week back in the office, the two days that we do have to go into the office is Wednesday and Thursday. I was supposed to go out with my friends that Saturday. It took all the power in my body to wake up and get up. It was like my body really wanted to nap on Saturday. And there is nothing in the world that can prepare you after being after working from home for two years. There's nothing in the world that can prepare you for, oh, you're going to have to commute. Your body has to get up and go back to commuting. And even with being an active person, I like to stay active and stuff like that. It just doesn't help because it's not in your schedule. You were so drained. Yes. That that's I was why very you wanted to yeah. How long's your commute? Fifty-one to an hour and ten. Mm-hmm. It differs depending on the New York City morning <laughs> of the Iron Horse. Oh yeah. Oh, I remember that. Like the best case scenario is like a forty-five minute commute. And that's, you know, and then it's like it's a rush at the end of the day too of getting home and ugh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know who likes their commute. We've talked a lot about the commuting things and the comfort things and the and like those sorts of things, but there's that other aspect of all of the stuff you kind of have to deal with at work and like meetings and networking events and all of that and kind of feeling pressured to do that sort of things that you don't really have when you're in the office. One of our colleagues, Liz Segrin, has worked remotely, I believe the entire time she's worked at Fast Company, and she had some things to say about that. Sometimes there's a very long staff meeting that might happen. They go over and I got stuff to do right after that. So I like the flexibility of being like, thank you guys. I'm going (laughs) to get off the Zoom call and move on to my next meeting of the day without it being super awkward. I think that happens pretty much every week for me. There are days where you're just not in the mindset to be networking and socializing and meeting with a lot of people. And if you're there, it can feel really awkward to say no. But I like the flexibility of being able to choose when I attend those events because I want to be in the right mental framework, right? I want to be there. I want to be chatting. I want to be at my best self. And sometimes you're just not. And I like the freedom of not having to do that. So I feel like there's a couple of things there. One, it's what everybody is guilty of doing, which is when you work from home and you are on a Zoom, you can certainly multitask. You can multitask in a way that's not as uh, rude and obvious as when you're in person. You can leave a meeting by just like logging off the Zoom screen, which is much less awkward than like getting up and walking out of the room when you have something else to do. So there's like those aspects. But I think she's also like the social aspect is really interesting that she touches on. That's the kind of two sides to it, I think. One is the you get to be excused from those social things those awkward social things you don't want to do. That's some JOMO right Mm -hmm. there of like, I don't have to go to this awkward networking event. I don't have to participate in this. I don't think we have a lot of this like mandatory fun, but I know a lot of companies have that kind of like awkward mandatory fun sort of things. But the other side of this, and I will say this is where I have, where I do have FOMO, where I do miss being in the office and being far away, like being so far away that I can't decide to come in, is those social things. And like in our last episode, when we talked about return to office policies and hybrid and what makes people want to come in, one of the main things was socializing with colleagues. And that is something that I feel like you really miss when you are fully remote like I am. So 
like you're not missing it. You kind of do get the best of both worlds. You get to be in the office when we have something fun. You get to be right, there when there's yeah. a cocktail. You know, like you get to participate in those like team building cool, fun things with your colleagues. And I have to see the email. Guys, we're going for cocktails. And I'm like, the flights, we're not going to make that work. Yeah. So like there have been, you know, in the three years that I've been here, there have been a handful of times our colleague Christopher Zara, who we had on the show last season, when his book came out, they did a book release party and I was so bummed to miss it. We're having a staff like cocktail event and I I'm not there and I'm bummed to miss it. So I think those sorts of things I do still have FOMO for. Yeah, that's a trade-off. Yeah, and that's kind of the purpose of the office, right? We talked on the last episode, the purpose of the office is for collaboration, it's for mentorship for more entry-level colleagues and those sorts of things. And it's for like socialization and like team building and having relationships with people. And I feel lucky enough that I'd worked at Fast Company for several years before I went remote. So I built a lot of those relationships, but I still want to see and talk and hang out with people. And there's new people that I've never met in person and those sorts of things. So it is kind of go both ways a little. Which is what Liz was saying. Like she's built those relationships. She's always been fully remote Mm -hmm. since she started working at Fast Company. So that is the trade-off that you get. You're not going to have those situations anymore. I've said this before. I feel like it's sometimes it's seasons of life too. Like I had that time I had years and years and years where I was in the office and I got to build those relationships and I got to partake in all of the things. And now I'm kind of, like you said, the trade-off, like I'm okay feeling like I'm missing out a handful of times of year in order to have all of the flexibility and the different lifestyle that I get to have. But you were working at Fast Company fully in the office for a long time and built up those relationships. I spoke to someone who was fully remote and then had to have someone advocate for her just to get the things that she needs for promotions and raises. So previously I had, I remember I had asked for a raise on three separate occasions and it wasn't until I was speaking to somebody who happened to work in the physical office and she became my advocate and she got all the powers that be together and she went up and they had a meeting on my behalf to get me a raise and i was like if i were physically in the office i could have just physically gone in myself but that wasn't an option and like my emails and phone calls kind of just went ignored yeah that can be really difficult hearing that it's like she one unfortunately sounds like she didn't have a really great manager because part of hybrid and remote work is being a good manager that mentors and advocates for their employees, even when they don't see them every day. But she was lucky that she had that kind of relationship and and an advocate in person. And there's also been a lot of research that has unfortunately shown that people who are not there do kind of get that out of sight, out of mind and get overlooked for promotions and raises, which is why if you do have some in-office time, that's why it's really important to build relationships. We heard some of that from Liz Segrin about how she uses her in-office time when she comes to New York. It took me a really long time to do this, and I had to do it very deliberately. You know, in my first couple of years at Fast Company, I made a very concerted effort to go into the office every few months and set up meetings with people, go out to coffee, go out to lunch, so that I had a relationship with someone so that after we met, 
when I was back home in Boston, I could set up meetings to talk to them and continue that and deepen that relationship. I think it's kind of hard to build a relationship with someone entirely remotely. Like you have to have a couple of interactions in person where you can see each other's facial expressions and kind of do things in a more casual way so that you have something to build on when you get back home and you're further apart. I think a lot of remote workers feel the need to be on Slack a lot, respond to messages a lot, yeah, like do. show that they're present, show that they're working because you can't, you don't want to be forgotten about. And it's so much easier in the office. Like you see somebody sitting at their desk or not sitting at their desk. But I guess that works in a, in a hybrid sense too. There's only two days a week where people can see you. And do, do you feel like you need to kind of prove that you're on and working on those other days? I'm available around the clock on Slack. And if somebody slacks me, no matter where I am, you know, sometimes I'm in the car driving my kids to school. Sometimes I'm in the middle of the grocery store, or sometimes I get a ping in the middle of my sacred nap time. And I always respond and I always respond as quickly as possible because I want people to know that I'm available. Like I'm there. I don't think I've ever really thought about it in terms of me being remote, but I'm sure that has something to do with it. I just want people to feel like I'm available, but I think it's partly out of this kind of insecurity that I don't want to seem distant and far away and unavailable. I mean, that's a good point. I think for some, because they have lived their life so fully like remote, I think that the longer you are fully remote, the more you're kind of like, there isn't real pressure to be on. It's been four and a half years. I ejected from the matrix and I was like, I just don't believe in that. I don't want to work that way. And so I've really tried to design my life so that I don't have to deal with that. And in fact, some of the ways I've done that, like not favorable, really, like it's not a good look. Like I, one of my clients want is on Slack and I kind of am like, that's not how I operate. And so I'll jump on Slack when we're in the depths of a project, but I, many years ago, turned off notifications on my phone. I check email when I want to and kind of when I'm ready to, but I, I don't want to be ruled by that. And it may have harmed me in ways that I'll never know about, but I think I feel good about the decision because I don't feel that pressure. I feel like it, this happened to everybody in the beginning of the pandemic, is that when you are working remotely, life and work blend together in a much bigger way than they do when you're in the office. Life bleeds into work more. I certainly interrupt my work day for life things, family things more, but I certainly interrupt my personal time for work more. Like I am working at the at nighttime now in a way that I never did before. I'm responding to slacks more often. I feel the, and I think a lot of people do too, since you're not there and physically seen, you feel the need to like account for where you are in your slack status. Yeah, there's a colleague that I had the other day that had a tooth emoji to show by her name, mm -hmm. show dentist appointment. Or even when there's days off, like last year, I went to Six Flags for a day off and I like put a roller coaster emoji and put six flags. <laughs> this is exactly where I am. This is why I'm not <laughs> responding. But yeah, I mean, I feel like overall, at least for me, I think we heard this from a lot of other people too, that the heart and soul of JOMO, I'm really trying to make JOMO happen. Mm -hmm. The heart and soul of JOMO, of the joy of missing office is that happiness of being 
more present in your life, in your personal life, yeah. in ways that you couldn't be before. We definitely touched on that with another one of your colleagues. We spoke to Jeff Beer. So the first few years of my son's life, I'd leave in the morning, I'd come back, and my wife would tell me all this stuff, and I'd be like, oh, wow, that's great. But I was here for my daughter's first few years. And certainly, I'm sure it's part of every survey about working from home, and certainly with young parents or parents of young children, I should say. Now my kids come home from school, and they come straight in here to say hi and, like, check in for a few minutes. It's not anything super elaborate, but certainly, accumulatively, I feel like, we have a different, I'm not saying better, but we certainly have a different relationship and as a parent, a different appreciation for that time than maybe I would have. Because I grew up in a house where my parents weren't home till like after six, 6.30. Like I said earlier, you know, I get to pick my kid up from school. I never in a million years would have gotten to pick my kid up. School ends at 3.48 p.m. Like I was not going to leave work at 3.48 p.m., but now I can go. I can pick him up, I can hear about his day, and then I can set him up doing his after-school stuff and come back to work. Like that kind of being able to be present and he's going to have those memories of his mom picked him up from school. That's worth the missing out on cocktail hour yeah. for me. I wish more companies and more offices would be more used to just finding workflows and work schedules that are comfortable for their own employees. I interviewed two women out here in New York City, and one is fully remote, but she's an extrovert. The other one has to fully go into the office, and she's an introvert. And I asked them both, are you both jealous of your work schedules? Mm. They both said yes. Because they, it's not of their own degree that they have this work schedule. So I think the key is they want to do their job. They just would like their schedule to be flexible for their own needs and services. And that's something that we heard last week from Gleb. That's something that we've heard from a lot of experts is instead of making, which a lot of companies do, making this like one blanket policy, this is how everybody works, is kind of on an individual manager level, on a different team level. Like, what do you actually hope to accomplish having people in the office? And what works for other people? Like, I've heard the example of somebody that had to care for an elderly family member and it really didn't, like it was such a burden for her to come into the office. That manager needs to have a conversation with her and what do I actually need from you? Is it actually important that you're in the office? If it is, when is that? How many times a month is that? In what capacity? Rather than just saying like, we have decided that everybody needs to come back because that's how work was in 2019. Figuring it out on an individual level is important not only for individuals own JOMO, own <laughs> happiness, but for the cohesiveness of the team and for having people work together in the best way that they can. That's a good point, Kate. When I was out in Denver, I went to a podcast festival and there was a certain line from a person that had a profound look on what a company should mean. A major thing is just like this shift of going from what's better for the company to going to what's better for the people. And like, actually, a company is a group of people. So what's better for the human beings behind the logo? That's what I think we should be focused on. I mean, I feel like at the end of the day, a good company is the people that you work with and the relationships that you have with them. If you have JOMO yeah. or if you have FOMO, it's about who you work with and those relationships. Yeah. Do you think that JOMO is going to catch on? Do you think we have done enough oh. to popularize JOMO? Is JOMO the new quiet quitting? Ah, oh, man. 
I don't know if Jomo's the new quiet quitting. I think that we need merchandise, so it becomes a talking point for a lot of people. So yes, agree. Fully yeah. supporting hats. Um, hats, shirts. Yes. yes. Yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Weighted blankets. <laughs> Say yes, Jomo. weighted blankets, all of it. <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying it enough. <laughs> I'll make it, I'll force it to to be part of the, the popular lexicon. I think weighted blankets is a good idea because it's, it's all about comfort, right? At the end yeah. of the day, and weighted blankets would be nice. A Snuggie, if they have those. Slippers, yes. because you're not wearing, I'm not wearing real shoes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> a Jomo mug. We have a whole merch store. Yes. Well, Blake, thanks so much for, first of all, coining the term Jomo, and second of all, for having this conversation with me. You're welcome, Kate, and (laughs) enjoy your Jomo lifestyle. I will. Thank you. And that's all for this episode. If you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe to The New Way We Work wherever you listen. And if you like this episode, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And we want to hear from you. Work is changing every day. What's the most pressing issue on your mind? Email us at podcast at fastcompany.com. The New Way We Work is produced by Joshua Christensen, Julia Shu, and Blake Odom with editing by Nicholas Torres. 